0: Why, hello to you. This is your host, Matt. This is another episode of Deep Thoughts, Simple Truths. I'm very thankful that you are joining me wherever you are at. Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. I have a question for you, and then I have a question for you after that question. First question is, who do mice worship? And you're scratching your head. And you're still scratching it the answer is (laughs) cheeses yes uh and then my next question is who do you worship or what do you worship you're like ah i ain't no worshiper i don't i'm not like bowing down to idols and things that's going to be our topic for today is uh worship you do worship something, your, your time and attention and your focus and your thing that you talk about any given second, you're most excited about it. Your, your heart is there. It's something that you really, really admire. Worship is defined as reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage or to any object regarded as sacred. It's to have her show strong feeling of respect and admiration for God or a God. It's to honor, show, or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. It's extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. It's a really weird word. I don't know if you've heard of it before. It's called worthship, W-O-R-T-H-S-H-I-P. It's a recognition of and a response to the worth of God. When we value the worth of someone, we usually do something to demonstrate their worth and how valuable they are to you. It's going to be um, God-centered, but this idea of worship can apply to almost anything. It's something regarded as sacred that you devote your time and attention and your admiration to in this definition. There's words in the Bible that are used for worship, and they reveal the meaning of it. An Old Testament word is Shaka. I doubt that I'm pronouncing it, right? It means to bow down or to prostrate. Aboda is another one, which means to serve a superior. Yada means to worship with the extended hand, the giving of oneself in worship and admiration, to lift your hands to the Lord. It carries the meaning of absolute surrender, as a young child does to a parent. Pick me up, I'm all yours. It means to hold out the hand, especially to revere or worship intensely, to give thanks to, to laud, praise, to confess. When you worship like this, the image I get is you not holding on to anything. There's nothing in your hands. Your hands are free to are free, and there you are surrendering, surrendering to Him. He has the answer. He is worthy of the praise and the worship you bring to Him. You don't need to be handling everything and sweating it. You lift your praise to God and watch Him work, just as the King Jehoshaphat of the Old Testament did. Another word, which I thought this was cool, is halal, H A L A L. When, and you know the full, this word I'm sure you know, hallelujah is halal and diyah. It's halal is to shine, to make a show, to boast, to be clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. To be commended it's praise and then hallelujah is yeah it's jehovah it's praise god in such a beautiful word this means the word this word means to brag about god he has done amazing things in your life and has been faithful it's the way you talk about him you make a big fuss about how good he's been you go on about his greatness you celebrate the life he's giving you you glory in his wondrous love for you. In the New Testament, there's Greek words, proskunuio, which means to come forward, to kiss the hand as an act of adoration. There's another one, I am going to try, letagoria, which means to serve. Notice that worship has a dual aspect. It's an attitude of the heart and it's actions of service. The definition of worship presented by Ralph Martin shows the two aspects. Worship is the dramatic celebration of God and his supreme worth in such a manner that his worthiness becomes the norm and inspiration of human living. What a definition. I love that. An idol, I'm going to define idol real quick. An idol is an image or representation of a God used as an object of worship. An image or other material object representing a deity to which religious worship is addressed. It's a false conception or notion. It's fallacy. I'm going to read some verses. What better place to find out what worship is other than the Bible? Exodus 32, 1-4. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him up. I love King James up. Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, of your daughters and bring them to me. All the people bro- broke, off. The golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. He received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he had made it, made it a molten calf. They and they said, "These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt." Put a big pause right there. What just happened? They got out of the land of Egypt. God did that. He made a way through the Red Sea. He made, he had all these plagues. He had his wondrous power being demonstrated day after day after day. And all of a sudden they're at the mountain chilling. Moses is up there. They don't know what happened to him. Like make us a God that we can worship. Aaron got all the gold. He fashioned it. He made it in. The, and he said, here are your gods. That is idolatry. When Moses came down the mountain and saw that he threw the two golden, the not golden, The two tablets that had the Ten Commandments on the calf and broke it, grounded up the gold and put it in their drinks, and they had to drink it. That was so wrong and so bad of them. They'd forgotten who God was. They they forgot about Moses. He was up on the mountain doing whatever he was doing. Classic example of idolatry. This, though, is real worship. Exodus 34. I promise I won't tear up and cry. And he hewed the two tablets of stone like to the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hands the two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin and sin, and that by will no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children, unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. He goes up the mountain. He has the two tablets. God descends, stands with him there. God proclaims his own name. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. And Moses made haste. He was so quick at that moment and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped flat on the ground oh my god in the most literal sense <laughs> that must have been such a sight and experience what else do you do in god's presence like that he was standing face to face with god and then he is head towards the earth worshiping worshiping is um singing And praising God for who he is and what he has done in our lives. But it's so much more. It's saying with your life how great God is. It's telling them that he is more worthy than anything else in your life. It's loving him wholeheartedly and obeying his word. That's the highest form of worship there is. You are telling God that his word is valuable enough to be obeyed in your life. Exodus 34, 14. You shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He longs to be the center of our lives in worship. I hope this doesn't get too monotonous. I'm going to read Daniel chapter three, the subject of worship in this one chapter really struck me because it involves Kings and whole nations and a huge fiery pit. You may know the story. I'm gonna paraphrase just a little bit because it gets a little repetitive. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, its width was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. I guess so it could be easily seen. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather the satraps, administrators, the government officials, all the people that are in his kingdom of the provinces and the officials to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar set up. So everybody came together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They stood before the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people's nations' languages, that at the time you hear the horn, the flute, the harp, and lyre, with all kinds of music, you will fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. That sounds really hot. I would not like to do that, please. So at that time, when the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, and the instruments with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward, accusing the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all these instruments with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon Shadrach, Meshach, and Bed- Abednego, Rakshak, and Beni. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. King Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready... To at that time, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the gold, the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter if that is the case our god whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand o king but if not let it be known to you o king that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up then nebuchadnezzar was full of fury like he wasn't furious before and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain, ma- certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Bye. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men? bound into the midst of the fire they answered and said to the king true o king look he answered i see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of god then the king nebuchadnezzar drew went near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying shadrach meshach and abednego servants of the most high god ding, ding, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the satraps and the government's officials and everyone saw those men on whom the bodies, the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their god therefore i make a decree to any people nation or language which speaks anything anything amiss against the god of shadrach meshach and abednego be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this then the king promoted shadrach meshach and abednego in the province of babylon this story is focusing on what was worshiped the king sets up a golden image everybody who hears the music is supposed to bow down and worship shadrach meshach and abednego did not other people in nebuchadnezzar's Officials said, they're not doing what they should. They're supposed to be worshiping you and they don't. And he was furious. He called them in. He's like, what gives? You are supposed to worship. I set up a gold image. I got fancy music playing. If you want to worship, that's great. If not, you're going into the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, without pause, without question, we are not doing that. We will worship our God. He will save us. Even if he doesn't save us, we are not worshiping your gold image. And his expression changed. He went from furious to like seven times hotter, furious, heated up the fire, bound them. His mighty men of his army were killed, handling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Tosses them in and he's like, good riddance. (laughs) Wait, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yes, we, you did. O King there's four they're untied. They're loose. They're walking around. And then he begins to catch on Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God come out and come here. They walked out of the fire, unharmed by it. Not a hair of their head was burned. Their clothes were fine. And he realized that he had been wrong. He changed his ways. It wasn't a golden image that was worthy of praise and worship and admiration. An idol is made by hands. It's made by a person. It has no soul. It has nothing in it that is worthy of us bowing down to it. And whatever book it is in the Old Testament talks very clearly about these idols they're made by human hands. They have eyes that can't see. They have hands but can't feel. They have noses but can't smell. They, they can't speak with their mouths. They're lifeless. It's just a thing. In Matthew 2, verse 2, this will remind you of Christmas. The wise men were saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. They had very expensive gifts. They followed that star. They wanted to give value and worth and admiration to this new born king of the Jews that they had probably been waiting for and watching the signs of and however they found out about it, but they came and they worshiped him. This is from Matthew four. Jesus is being tempted in the desert and the devil says all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Can you imagine the devil's pride and like you, you just need to take a bow and like do a little bow bow to me and I will give you like all kinds of things. All this is mine and I'll give it to you. And Jesus' response, Jesus says to him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, you will worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve. I love his response because he's like, only God is worthy of worship. I will not do that, Satan. Sorry. Bye. John chapter four, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, But the hour comes, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Worship cannot come from your flesh. It must come from your spirit. It must be in truth. Romans 8, 9 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's with your spirit that genuine worship comes. He's pleased when your heart isn't altered with your mind, just saying nice word. When the greatness of God fills your heart, true praise comes from your mouth. It isn't thought up or wordy. It's pure and it's full of gratitude. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you, are, you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The holy, living God lives on the inside of you. His presence is with you wherever you go. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Your life is to glorify God in your body and your spirit. It's to worship him for who he is and what he's done. Matt 621 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your, your affections and your admiration is where your treasure is. This is from Matthew 15, 8 and 9. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So it's possible to honor and to exalt and to say the right things with your lips, but your heart is far from God. You you don't really mean it. Your heart is where your treasure is, and that's elsewhere. You haven't seen God as such a great treasure. Because if you do there, your heart will be also. It says, in vain do they worship me. It's, It's meaningless. It's in vain. It doesn't actually bring God honor. I have some questions for you. You don't have to tell me, but think about these. What's most important in your life? What do you give your attention to? What do you give your time and your money to? Do you have any idols in your life? things that are coming before God. Does God seem uncomfortably far away because you've drifted and let other things take his place? You can't come face to face with him because you both know what you have been worshiping. Decide to quickly make it right. Put God back on the throne of your heart and in his rightful place. It's where he belongs. He saved you and redeemed you. He is worthy of all your worship. This is a quote that I read one time, and it really struck a chord with me. Worship is not a song. Worship is my response to God with all that I am to all that he is. All that he has done, is doing, and will do in me, through me, around me, and in spite of me. It's not just a song. Worship is the response with all of our lives, everything that we've been given to all that God is. And so if we come in here in this place and we raise our hands and we raise our voices, but we don't stretch these hands when we leave this place to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and fight for the poor and for the oppressed, then what you and I have done is worship a singer or a song, but not a God. That was by Sean Groves in one of his concerts. I remember the first time I heard that, I thought, yes, that's totally it. It's not just lip service, lip service, excuse me, or a fancy song, it's worshiping God with your entire life. What a subject worship is. I hope that you think about it, you meditate on it, and you worship God for who he really is and what he's done. My name's Matt. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Deep Thoughts, Simple Truths. I'll see you guys next time.